0: If you're the only one in your book club who wants to read books that will change
1: your life, you need a new book club. And we think you found it. I'm Heather. And I'm Susan. And can we be the first to say,
0: welcome Welcome to to the the club.
1: club. We're glad you're sticking
0: with us. And so because we've gone through a few episodes, I'm going to recap where we are and then you'll know where we're going. God created a perfect world. God created man and woman for companionship. They live in the world. And God created the world. God created you for his glory. This is God's plan, his purpose, his
1: motive. This is God's why. Yeah, sticking. That's good because we are only in chapter three and we are continuing on our journey through these first 11 chapters. If you remember in the overview, I said that these first 11 chapters are the story of God and the whole world. And now we're gonna, that we have God's motive, we're going to take a look at man's motive. This is going to be a different journey. Last last week we were in a play, today we're on a path. This is the story of the MO for all humanity. This is the why we do what we do when we know we shouldn't do it. Understanding the modus operandi of mankind is going to change your life for good. So here's the story. We've talked about how the Bible is really one grand, huge narrative that points to Christ. But within that big narrative, there are lots of stories and scenes all woven together. Well, chapter three clearly has five elements of a short story. It's got characters, setting, plot, conflict, theme. Let's break it down. Who are those characters? The first two we have already met Adam and Eve. The first man, the first woman. Adam means humanity. We learned that. We're going to learn that Eve means life. You've got man, humanity, and Eve, life. No mistake there. Humanity and life. These two are individuals, but they're also representative of all humanity and life. So when we analyze this story, just like an English class, We have to know we're talking about two people, but we're really thinking of all people, even us. And we know that they, we, are created in God's image because it said that in verse 127. Genesis
0: 127, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God,
1: he created them. Male and female, he created them. And we know that they, we, were meant to reflect the character and goodness of God. So that's our first two characters. That's what we know about them. Then we have God, the creator, who created order out of chaos. We already saw that in Genesis 1. And he is the author of all that is true. The fourth character, new character for us, is the serpent. He comes from out of nowhere. We don't know much about him, but I'm going to tell you what we do know. The serpent, though, he's
0: inhabited, in, he's used by Satan. So Correct. the serpent is the snake. And we read in Revelations 12, 9, the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He
1: was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So this is what we know about Satan. The Hebrew word is the Satan because Satan is actually a title that means the adversary. Satan is the adversary of God. He is not for anything. He's against everything that is God's. Therefore, because God created order out of chaos, guess what Satan wants to do? He wants to destroy the order and drag us back into the darkness and chaos. And where God is truth, he uses lies to do it. Don't let him
0: do it. (laughs) He's like, you're going to like this. You deserve this. It's only one time. Here's the marshmallow. You can have just one little marshmallow. <laughs> Take it now. He's the author of lies. And he will lie and deceive at every turn. And you won't even realize he's doing it. Here's what
1: else we know about him. He is a spiritual being, and he was once part of God's team, the cherubim and angels. In Ezekiel 28, in a prophecy against King Tyre, uh, he alludes to what happens to those who want to be like God by citing Satan as an example. And this is what it says in Ezekiel 28, verse 14
0: through 16. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. So
1: we we see here, what I said before is that Satan was part of the he was a guardian cherub and he um, chose sin and he was kind of, you know, driven in disgrace from the mount. And since that time, he has been against God. He is the adversary. And if we are meant to reflect God's glory, he is going to be after us to do the opposite. Spoiler alert, in that same Ezekiel passage, God also uses Adam and Eve is an example of what happens when you want to be like God. So you can read that passage for yourself. All right, we've got our characters. Now we have a plot, super simple. Temptation, deception, submission, and restoration. That is the plot. That's what we're gonna see happens here. The approach. All right, while this chapter is absolutely about the history of how man fell, it is also the greatest lesson on how we are tempted and deceived every
0: single day. And that's the greatest way that you can use the Old Testament as a lesson of what (laughs) to do or what not to do.
1: The pattern of deception and the path that it takes us down is so crystal clear in this text. And, and in life. And that just makes me crazy because I fail to see it in so many of my own enjoy- choices oh, yeah. every day. Yeah, I relate to Adam and Eve so much because the devil, he is crafty. He is so crafty. All right, we are going to walk through this story line by line so that we can see clearly how temptation gets us because Adam and Eve are representing us. Truly, only then can we put a stop to the craziness. And and by walk through line by line, I mean walk. The story lays out like a journey down a path. And at points on the path, there are choices and opportunities and we're gonna analyze them. And I actually have drawn out this path yeah, and if the choices. If you're visual like me, go to the show notes and get this path because it will make a lot I, more sense. I even printed it for Heather because we talk about this so she can follow along because I know she likes her little... Drawing. But anyway, it's in the show notes. All right, next, the setting. Up until this point, God has been providing what is good, everything that is good for Adam and Eve. In the garden, there is total transparency. There is only truth. They don't know any different. Life is simple and easy. There's no doubt, no deception, no worries, no fears. They actually get to walk and talk with God something that you know we can only do through the holy spirit they literally get to walk in the garden with god how great would that be that you can't get much clearer than that only god has the knowledge of what is good and what is evil and somehow it's locked up in that one tree in the middle of the garden the tree of knowledge of good and evil that god, marshmallow tree yeah that marshmallow tree, the one with yeah we're not going to picture it with fruit anymore we're going to picture it with marshmallows um and 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 they don't have this knowledge of evil they, they Their life is literally one-dimensional. They only know truth. All right, here's where the path starts for them and for us. And here is where the path starts with God. We know God. And here is where choice comes in. Nothing in the garden is fenced off because man is to rule over all creation. They have access to everything. And on the path, they have learned God's command. Uh, Adam and Eve both learned that one command at this time. Now, we have more than one command, but where can we learn that? In the Bible. So for us, you know, we we have God's commands in the Bible. But Later, that's later. But I'm kind of the path they're on. A path we we get on the same path. Does that make sense? So I want you to think about you too in this path that they're on. You are walking down the path. Yeah, we are on the path right now, and and we're given God's commands. They were given the one command. And God gave only these instructions to them. We read it in, verse, in, in chapter two. So when we're on the path, I want you to picture yourself. The path is, you know, maybe it's kind of wooded in front of you and it's a dirt path, you know, and you know how there's roots and stuff like that. But you're looking at the path and you come along the path and all of a sudden there's a tree and there's a sign posted in front of the tree. Do not eat from the tree. That's all it says. Now you have a choice. The choice for Adam and Eve was eat or don't eat. All temptation starts with a choice. Your day starts with a choice. Snooze or not to snooze. Donuts or smoothie. Work out or watch the news. Hey, hey, hey. Watching the news is not always bad. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. I work for a news station. <laughs> okay, how about wor- How about watch the news or have a devotion? Thank you.
0: <laughs> have, just have your devotion first, then
1: watch the okay, news. Okay, well, then watch the news. Some of these choices are small and relatively harmless. Some
0: are not so small. And, you know, you have these choices throughout your life all the time, encouraging people or criticizing people. Shop online, do your work, have time with people or have time with your phone. Remember, we were created for relationships. So, You can pay your bills or you can go into debt. You have a choice all day
1: long. You have many choices you're making. We live in a world with a million choices. Like Adam and Eve, most of us have everything we need. Like truly, we have what we need, but we have the opportunity for more. Needs and wants. Exactly. And remember, while God wants us to have more, He wants us to have love and beauty and order. Remember, the whole goal of the adversary is the opposite of God. It's to use what God created for good for evil. The adversary wants to drag us back into that chaos, darkness, and death.
0: Yeah. And we don't want to be giving the devil too much credit. We don't want to to have him be the one who gets the credit here. All we're trying to do is help you recognize the plots and the schemes that mm-hmm. he will do in your life to get you off
1: the path, to get you off the path that God has you on. Yeah. And the most interesting thing to me is that most of these choices that impact, they impact our health, our finances, and all of that, most importantly, impacts our relationships. And again, remember, God designed us for relationship. And so So the enemy wants to get in the middle of that.
0: Yeah, and Adam and Eve are are about to make this very, very bad choice, this fatal choice that definitely affects not just their
1: relationships, but all relationships for the whole future. Exactly. Well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we need to remember in this is how are the choices I'm making impacting my relationships? Because it's the second greatest commandment that we have to focus on. Well, the adversary is going to direct all his efforts at anything that destroys what God wants. And- Here we are. All right, Susan, what are the warning signs? All right, so next, I want you to picture. All right, so you got the sign that said, do not eat from this tree. And you go past that on the path. And now you're really right in front of the tree. The tree is in front of you and the path splits. And there's a warning sign literally nailed to the tree as you're passing it. You know, the fruit's hanging all around you. It's very tempting. I mean, this is a low-hanging fruit tree. And you could just literally grab it. But on the tree itself, uh, are, are warning signs. And in this case, um, because God doesn't want us to be tempted. So not only does he give us commands, but he literally warns us all throughout the Bible do about it, what will do happen it, don't if do you it, do, it. It. Don't do it. Right. So the, the sign on this tree said, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The point I want you to know, and when you look at the printable, you'll see is we have commands and warning signs. Now, here's the next part in the path. The adversary is going to attempt to engage you. And I say attempt. He's going to attempt to change you. You know God's commands. You read the warning signs. In this case, for Adam and Eve, chapter 3, verse 1 is where we start with this chapter. All right, so all of that build up just to tell
0: you where we are. And now we pick up in our story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?"
1: Okay, I want to I want to talk about the word attempt. It's not even used here in the Bible, but I want I I, I want to explain it. The word attempt comes from the word tempt, and this word is actually from the 12 the 1200s, and its original definition was to lure someone from God's law. Just like the devil did. Exactly. So the word tempt, and in this case I'm using a tempt, comes from God's law. It it came into being because people were lure, being lured from God's law. The adversary cannot make you do anything. He can only attempt to tempt you. You have a choice to not engage. The problem is that we often don't even know the cunning creep is tempting us. In this case, his opening line is just a casual question, but it disguises is a twisted lie he knows That God said, and trust me, he knows God's laws better than we do. He knows, God said, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but, which is positive. Yeah, but then the
0: devil twists what God said. He totally puts it to Eve in a way that God didn't even say. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? That's not what God said.
1: And it sounds so, it makes God sound so pitifully restrictive and negative. Which is maybe why people think he is, and he's not. Correct, because it is the opposite of what God and Said
0: Eve, He said, All of this is yours. You can have have any of it, just only that one tree.
1: But because it is the opposite of what God said, Eve is going to Eve is going to jump in to correct, and he's tricked her. And in so doing, she's engaging in the conversation. And that's what we don't want to do. Never engage. Bad choice. Yeah. He's way too smart. Walk away. The adversary is not God. He cannot control us. He needs to influence us. So he has to get us to engage. And he needs to test us to see how much we know so he can find that point of influence. And that's exactly what he does here. Now, here's where the path divides. You have a choice, always. Eve has a choice right here. She can choose to flee or engage with the adversary. Now, know this. If you flee, so we're gonna talk about this really quick because this is not what she does. But if you flee, just run away. You can turn back to review God's commands. And then God has the opportunity to teach you. So for us, if, if we're in a bad situation, you just got to flee. Go back, study your word, counsel with your pastor, whatever it is. And then God will teach you and you'll be affirmed. Now, if you engage with the adversary to entertain his opinion, the adversary has the opportunity to lie. We're the ones who give the opportunity. It is our choice to either engage or flee. There's only one person who engaged with the devil and one Oh, ever. we're going to get to that. Don't spill it. We're going to get to that. Eve chooses to engage with the adversary and she becomes confused about the facts. This is what she said. Verse
0: 2 and 3. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden,
1: and you must not touch it. Or you'll die. So she just revealed way too much to Satan. God never said, You must not touch the tree. The adversary now knows that Eve is not good with details and he can confuse her. It's like she invited him in. Now, before we throw Eve and every woman under the bus and blame women for the fall, I wanna go back and just point something out because I know people, it's so hard. Let's go back and look at Genesis 2 again. In verse 16, God commands Adam not to eat from the tree. In verse 18, God says, It's not good for Adam to be alone create Eve it appears that Eve was not present when God when the command was given only Adam was but we just don't know that for sure because you know they walked and talked with God we don't know if Eve learned of the command from Adam or if God told her to but there is a possibility that Adam may have embellished it or been unclear and told Eve oh you can't touch it too oh yeah you know most of the things (laughs) those men say don't make any sense exactly wait just kidding I'm just kidding However, we don't have this problem because we have the Bible (laughs) and it is very clear. That's why we must always look there before we head down any path or make any choice. Now, I want to talk about the adversary's opportunity to lie. This is what he says. Verses 4 and 5. You
0: will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you
1: eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh my gosh, can you hear Eve's wheel spinning? Maybe it's just me because my wheels spin a lot. Oh wow, that was interesting. What is this good and evil? Why can't we know too? Why is God trying to keep this from us? Why does God get to make the rules? It's just not fair. I want to be like God. Eve is doubting God. The trust that was there is now being overshadowed because she engaged. Remember, the adversary had a place with God, but he wanted to be like God. And he's trying to do the exact same thing to her. He is, he is tempting her with what tempted him because he knows it works. He doesn't have a very broad um, creativity there. Just like God will meet you where you are and bring what
0: you need in that moment, the devil will meet you where you yeah. are, and he will tempt you with what he knows will work in that moment. And he only, there's only one person exactly. who has ever engaged
1: with the devil and resisted successfully. So no, this this is Matthew four eight. This is the temptation of Christ. So when it says him, they're mentioning they're meeting Christ again.
0: The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only.
1: Then the devil left him. So here we have our example of Jesus knows the command, worship the Lord your God. He resists. And he does not bow down. But the point too is the devil wanted the son of God to bow down to him, not to God. Which is the reason he got kicked out of heaven in the first place in that passage we read in Ezekiel. He was saying, worship me, not worship God. He still wants to be God and he's still trying to do it. The adversary is tempting Eve with the very same thing. All right, our path is about to divide yet again. We have a second choice here. And this is the thing I really wanna stress for us at any point if you make the wrong choice of the path you can then get make, back on get back on Just the other path on. you can you can switch over you can take another path you don't have to stay on that path the second choice you make in the path is this you either recognize your sin, become convicted, and choose to believe God, trust God, obey God, glorify God, and grow in your faith. In that case, the path ends there. Well, the sin Victory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Victory. You're going back to the right thing. Or you're tempted by sin. Your desire grows, and you choose to deny God, trust yourself, disobey God, and gratify yourself. And then you suffer consequences. And there are always consequences. There are always, always consequences. Eve chooses to de- and to deny God, trust herself, disobey God, and gratify herself. She is tempted and her desire grows in verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the
0: eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she disobeys God and gratifies herself. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The first sin. And she does. She
1: influences him.
0: All right. I want to talk about sin.
1: It's almost a little, uh, you know, politically incorrect today, sin. I don't know why people don't like say sin. They don't want to take responsibility yeah, for their it? actions. Is that it? But when you think about it, at the very basis of all humanity, there are rules. Okay. So we have rules. It's a rule is just, you know, a prescribed guide for conduct. Like parents, teachers, coaches, every everywhere has rules. They're all different. You may have a rule at work that you can't use. You can't leave phone, food in the fridge over the weekend. We have one. Um, but rules can change and they just kind of suit a small group of people. And then you have laws. You know, countries have laws. That's okay. More created serious by the now. Government. More Yeah, created by the government. And there's consequences for breaking them. Right. Under the authority of a nation. So, you know, Cities, states, nations have laws. They're all different. You know, the speed limit at Hawaii is 60, but in Nevada it's 80, whatever. They can change. You know, if you break them, you go before the judge and there's a penalty. And then in this case, with sin, there are commands. There are God's commands. And it's God's law. It's a rule for man. It, but here's the difference. Always the same for every man. Never changes. And when you break it, it's called sin. And, and you're really at the mercy of the consequences that will come about, sometimes naturally, sometimes, you know, if, you, if it is God's command and it's a law, like don't murder, there's going to be those imposed by the government. But there's also sin has a long lasting effect in our lives. And we often don't see how it plays out. And again, just like I said, that word life is kind of mysterious sometimes. Sometimes there's this thing about sin and how it pervades in people and causes them to go down darker and darker paths. Yeah, it it exponentially starts to increase. And 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 and, and it's talked about like yeast and unleavened bread in in the New Testament. You know, there is a thing about sin that I I don't want us to look at it as a word that's politically incorrect. We need to take it seriously seriously and we need to look at it because it's one thing to break a rule or a law but a, but to sin there's longer lasting effects and it really shows a problem in your heart that then probably results in broken rules and laws because most of those have a good reason for being um they all have consequences rules laws and commands that are broken um but but there's a deeper deeper impact i believe for the sin of the believer who doesn't change or the you know the sin that we're about to read about and
0: And that's the point here is sin is serious, but it's not all doom and gloom, because if you have made the wrong choice, if you've gone down that path, all you have to do is get on the other path, the other path that God has for you. That's good and right and turn from your ways And, and your life can change in an instant when you do that.
1: Absolutely. All right. Enough about sin, but I did want to pull that out. The first consequence for Adam, Eve and actually for us is right here in the next verse. Then the eyes of both of
0: them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees
1: of the garden. So this is a major tip for us right here. It's called conviction. And it's the state of being convinced of error. And the sign of conviction is almost comical in Adam and Eve yeah. because they hide. Yeah, like God doesn't know you're there. <laughs> yeah, so so if you ever want to hide, that's called shame. What If you have that's ever done anything- That's your first indication. That, yeah, if you ever do anything that you want to hide, you don't want somebody to know about, know that you're being convicted and you have probably sinned. Yeah, and so turn from your ways and just exactly. take the other path. Just get that comical picture of Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes like they could hide from God and know that you too are being foolish because if you think you can hide your sin from God, you're crazy. All right, our path is going to divide yet again. We have a third choice on this path. Again, we're now on the negative path because the positive path kind of ended when you do the right thing. But here we are. You have a choice. You can either confess and then God has an opportunity to teach you and forgive you and restore you. And yay, the path ends there. Or you can deny that you did anything and you can blame somebody else. And then the adversary has an opportunity to lie to you again. And then the The adversary will lead you further down a darker and darker path, and you suffer more consequences. In this story of Adam and Eve, God pursues them, and in our story, He does pursue us. He does give us a chance to confess, but listen to what happens to Adam and Eve. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, Where
0: are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I
1: commanded you not to eat from? Okay. This is a sweet picture. And if you have children, you've probably walked through with your kids. You know oh, they've done yeah. something and you ask them, what did you do? Why did you do it? Mine minor teenagers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're getting a little more crafty. I know. So God knew where they were and he knew what they were doing. He used questions. To get them to yeah. confess it, he was giving them an opportunity to confess it. It's like when you look at your teenager in your case, and you say, "I know what you did. Why don't you tell me yeah. about it?" You're you're actually offering them Now's your chance. Don't to lie to confess and turn because if you cover it up, and and you know that's what I, I used to say to my kids. I used to say it's one thing to make a mistake; it's another it's thing, thing, to thing to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And God is asking them to bring it to the light and tell him. I wonder if they
0: had just told him if he would have made a different consequence for them. But we'll never know. know.
1: We'll never know. We never know. Um, All right. So what do they do next? So they choose to deny and blame. And Adam, he blames Eve in verse 12. The man said,
0: the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and and I ate it. And Eve blames the serpent. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. All right. No one wants to take
1: responsibility (laughs) for their actions I think what this tells us right here is that, um, you know, yeah, the serpent did deceive her, but she engaged and God's not gonna let you off for engaging. So just don't even engage. All right, next in our story on this path, There are going to be more consequences for Adam, for Eve, and for us, and we're going to lay them out because some are very prophetic and important for the rest of the greater book called the Bible. The first consequence we're going to read is the serpents, and Heather's going to read the verse, and I'm going to kind of insert a couple words to help you understand what this is foreshadowing, and then I'll explain it. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because
0: you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and wild animals. You will... Crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman humanity and between your offspring the seed and hers Jesus he Jesus will crush your head
1: defeat and you will strike his heel wound pierce this is the first prophecy of how God will redeem the fallen world our orderly god addresses the serpent first with three statements of doom verse 14 the serpent is positionally cursed he's going to crawl because of his key role being used by Satan always underfoot. So Satan was using the serpent. Verse 15 said he is relationally cursed. There is going to be hostility between he and the woman, and that is going to be passed to all the future offspring. And then lastly, the serpent is eternally cursed. He will crush or kill the serpent. And he is the seed, Jesus, who will come from the family of Abraham in the second part of Genesis chapters 12 through 15. All right, just for a big word, I'm throwing this in. This is the first proto-evangelism. Proto-evangelism is the first gospel or good news. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Says this, that God's people will finally win over the adversary. It will be a war that we have to fight, but he, the first prophecy of Jesus, the offspring of the woman will deliver a crushing blow. All right, now the woman's consequences. Verse six.
0: To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you.
1: Another uh, uh, Bible verse for this is the New King James. And it says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And I like that because first, okay, children, it's going to be physically painful. It could have been a lot easier. Could have been a lot easier. Thanks a lot of you. Second, in relation to the children, that moms will have sorrow, which points to the anxi- anxieties of bearing and raising kids, overwhelming concern for their safety and future in life. It's, it's a killer to mm. me. I have five kids. So I love that verse because it does say, you know, it kind of explains why maybe I worry more than my husband. Maybe I'm justifying myself. Not sure. All right, third relates to marriage. Because she took the lead in this fall, she will be subject to her husband. And throughout the world, there has been a lot of abuse of women. And and again, this is gonna be rectified in Christ. With Christ, we are all heirs. Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to to the promise. The third consequence is for the man, and that's verse 17. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit
0: from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants in the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, to dust you are, and dust you will return.
1: Adam chose his wife's wisdom over God's and that's just a relational lesson for all of us. We're made for relationship but we can't allow our relationships to come between our relationship with God. So Adam from the word Adam, Adama or ground and earth now is originally had dominion over the earth and everything in it. And now the ground is just not going to work for him like it used to. He's gonna experience pain working just to survive. It's gonna require toil. And then in the end, he's going to be returned to the ground uh and it's it's kind of almost a little poetic justice that the consequence is kind of the bane of his existence is this great relationship he had with earth and the animals is now going to be um the opposite of of what he planned all right we have one more consequence and this is the one that really impacts all of us it is the fall from god's presence in the garden in verse 20.
0: and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life.
1: Okay, so the good news is this. While death came through the sin of the woman, life and salvation is also going to come through her, through Jesus Christ. We are now out of the garden. We don't have that paradise Sin has entered the world. We all have it because of Adam and Eve. Now, the another cool thing to point out about this is the whole animal skin thing. This is actually the first sacrifice. Because they were naked, animal skins were used to, to cover their nakedness. And this is an example of the first bloodshed to cover Adam's and Eve's sin. This is the consequence for their sin. The animal had to die to cover it. There's more to come on that in future verses because animal sacrifice, It becomes a way to atone for sins for the Israelites, and that points to the ultimate atonement in Jesus Christ and Christ's blood for us on the cross. Our couple at the end of our story is banished, and so are we from that mysterious tree of life that I surely would have liked to have eaten from, and now there is only one way for us to attain that eternal life. And that is through this promised seed, Jesus. All right, but not to end on a down note,
0: because yes, they're banished, and yes, there are consequences, but the story of Adam and Eve will go on, and next we will get to meet their offspring, and and we will see the consequences of the sin and how it plays out in their life. But if you have taken that path, you can get back on and you can forge on and you can still have a good, fruitful life.
1: Yeah, and I hope that tool really help you. And if you have children, it might even help them to really understand that choice thing. So check it out. It's in the show notes. What's a club without friends? If
0: you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome, welcome to, to the, the club. club